Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who forgives all our sins, whose mercy endures forever. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Hear the good news. God's mercy is poured out like a mighty river. Grace flows like a never-ending stream. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. God, you resist those who are proud and give grace to those who are humble. Give us the humility of your Son that we may embody the generosity of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. reading from Jeremiah. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what wrong did your ancestors find in me that they went far from me, and went after worthless things and became worthless themselves? They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought in deep darkness, in a land that no one passes through, where no one lives. I brought you into a plentiful land to eat its fruits and good, its good things. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me. The rulers transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, once more I accuse you, says the Lord, I accuse your children's children. Cross to the coast of Cyprus and look, send to Kedar and examine with care. See if there has ever been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though there are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for something that does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, says the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and dug out cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that can hold no water. Word of God, word of life.
A reading from Hebrews. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as though you are in prison with them, those who are, those who are being tortured as, that you, as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through Christ, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that confess God's name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Word of God, word of life. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor. 
in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who has invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. It took a few years after a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth was crucified in Jerusalem for small groups to start gathering in tiny villages and small towns of the Galilean countryside. They were Jews and poor, barely getting by, always on the brink of destitution, some of them already over that edge, dispossessed from their land by imperial taxation and impossible debt exploited by official corruption, disregarded by ruling classes and religious elites, steadily pushed into lives of desperation as beggars or bandits or slaves. St. Paul had not yet started to write his now famous letters to infant churches. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had not yet put pen to parchment to write down their stunning versions of the Jesus story. Before churches and clergy and catechisms and creeds, as we know any of those things, after Jesus' death as before it, there was the meal, the table fellowship of the companions of Jesus. Gathered around the table, they listened to Jesus' stories brought by wandering preachers, strangers who perhaps had been eyewitnesses to the events of Jesus' life and ministry, his death and resurrection folk who had taken to the road to make the same proclamation that he first made, the kingdom of God has come near. As from Jesus himself, Jewish peasants heard anew of the kingdom, a realm where God rules, a realm of peace and justice, a realm where all people will be holy, whole, and home. They heard of miracles. They heard about healing and forgiveness, about a new community that shattered old categories of human worth. They heard of love enough to live God's righteous life in an unrighteous world, love enough to die for others, 
love enough to show forth the presence of God in the midst of suffering, injustice, and hate. So folk who never met Jesus in his earthly life, folk who never heard him teach or saw him heal, people who only knew of injustice, poverty, oppression, and fear as their way of being in the world, found a new truth in those meals. In acts of hospitality to strangers and to friends, at a table with the poor and the destitute and the frightened and the passionate in a banquet fashion from what they had, however little, and who they were, however vulnerable. The kingdom of God broke into tedious and dreary existences, filling them with a vision of hope and peace and healing and justice, and with a power to transform their lives. And the risen Lord met them at the table before churches and clergy and catechisms and creeds, there was the meal. The savior who comes to dinner today proved to be a difficult guest for his important host. He is still a disconcerting companion at the table if we take his idea of a guest list seriously. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. So how was your invitation addressed? We come, my friends, because after Jesus' death, as before it, there is this meal. The table is a test, not of our well-being, spiritual or material. It is a test of gospel hospitality by a community that practices the outrageous manners and prepares the scandalous meals that bear witness to a world that works another way. The manners and meals of Jesus once offered human beings a salvation worth dying for and a vision of a world worth living in for the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, for you and me, and they still do. The table is a test that tells us who is not here. The multitudes who cannot find their way to any tables, material or spiritual, and the so many who do not yet believe that this meal is offered to all. The table is a challenge to practice the protocols of another realm, God's realm, to take the lowest place and find that it is a cross and trust the promise, Jesus' promise that this is how God will change the world. My name is Joy, and I am a retired Episcopal priest. I am here today at the kind invitation of your pastor, but because I am also a board member of an organization called Arise Chicago, and because tomorrow is Labor Day. To ponder the meaning of Labor Day amid a faith community at worship suggests that we believe that God somehow fits into this secular American holiday. To connect the table where we meet Jesus with the work of the world is not such a stretch, I think. A prayer we use at my parish church as we prepare the table makes the connection between labor and God. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us 
the bread of life. I believe that a bargaining table for a contract negotiation can as well be a holy place when justice is done. In the late 1800s, the Industrial Revolution was at its height in this nation. An agrarian rural world was being overtaken by a new kind of realm, the industrial urban world of manufacturing. Factory workers, men, women, and children worked 12-hour days, seven-day weeks in dangerous and dirty conditions for paltry pay. The times were tumultuous, confusing, frightening. Old values, old certainties, old lifestyles were being overturned. The United States was on its way to becoming the world's most powerful industrial economy. Some were making huge fortunes, and there were too many who were paying a horrific price to make it happen, as in first century Galilee, I think. The labor union movement came into being to organize workers, to protest poor working conditions, and to compel employers to negotiate hours and pay. Public rallies and strikes became provocative and often effective tools to bring workers' rights into public view. And akin to the dynamics of the civil rights movement, conflict often erupted into violence. The labor movement went on to become the source of many of the benefits and rights that both blue and white collar employees hold dear today. I'm guessing most of us have reason to be grateful to the labor movement. Vacations, holidays, workers' compensation, days off, health insurance, disability benefits, and collective bargaining, as well as laws dealing with child labor and worker safety. Much of that under fire these days in political circles and judicial ones. Labor unions are no less provocative and controversial in the first decades of the 21st century than they were in the last decades of the 19th. But it seems to me, my friends, that the vision of the labor movement was, at its best, a vision of the kingdom, a vision of God's shalom, more than mere peace, but a vision that embraces harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility for all. Without such a prophetic vision, the people indeed will perish. What we Christians know about justice, about community, about how to value work and workers, well, we learn most of it, I think, from the prophets of ancient Israel and the rabbi from Nazareth. What we know about organizing resistance to oppression, I actually think we learned from Moses. The Exodus event at its most basic is really a labor action arising from inhuman working conditions. And it too begins with a meal. Economics matter in the biblical tradition. What people eat and who they eat with and where they live and how they work, they're spiritual as well as economic and political issues. Disparity of income and power is a recurring biblical concern. The widows, landless persons, unemployed people, they matter to God. Just as God heard the cries of the oppressed Israelites, God hears the cries of the poor. Still and now. The world that came into being with the Industrial Revolution is being overtaken by another kind of realm. Our times are tumultuous, confusing, 
frightening. Old values, old certainties, old lifestyles are being overturned. And we cannot yet know how this nation will fit into a new kind of world. There are people making vast fortunes. And as always, others who are paying a horrific price. While the national unemployment rate has fallen to record lows, growing numbers of Americans, perhaps 30%, say the statistics, are engaged in what is called the gig economy. This was new for me. Essentially, work is now considered gigs, not jobs. Some of you may know this far better than I, although this is a gig for me today. <laughs> Temporary positions short-term contracts, freelance work, Uber drivers, dog walkers, analysts, computer coders, dishwashers, all workers without a safety net, legal protections, benefits. For some, it is a rewarding way to go, but for too many, it's a desperate option. Immigrant workers are under attack as never before, from workplace raids in Mississippi to policy changes that punish those fleeing violence to the separation of children from their families. So have we forgotten how many of us are the descendants of immigrants who came here in search of a better life, those huddled masses yearning to breathe free? living under daily threats of mass raids, frightened about going to work or the grocery store, picking up your child from school. That's the stuff of nightmares. I spoke at a synagogue on Friday night and I realized that for the Jewish community, those nightmares really resonate deeply in your memories. I first connected with Arise Chicago when I was the dean of our Episcopal Cathedral it is an organization that builds partnerships between faith communities and religious leaders and workers to fight workplace injustice through education, organizing, and advocating for public policy change. Arise was founded by Jewish, Roman Catholic, and United Methodist leaders in 1991 to make a moral response to workplace injustice. 28 years later, we continue to pursue the, the mission. We support workers as they seek to form unions. We support unionized workers as they seek to improve their contracts. We work with non-union, low-wage immigrant workers who are facing terrible working conditions, including wage theft and sexual harassment. Yet we partnered as well this year with the instructors of the Old Town School of Folk Music, the musicians of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and the graduate student is teaching assistants of Loyola. Arise Chicago is a place where all workers can turn when they are threatened, oppressed, or exploited. Best of all for me, it is an organization that makes a place for folk like us to join their justice-making mission. With the growing disparity in this country between the wealthy and everyone else, Labor Day is an opportunity for people of faith to recognize the holy value of work and workers, even our own, as well as a time for all of us to embrace the larger implications of this holiday. It is at bottom the recognition of God's shalom, 
in which property and wealth are ultimately a matter of spiritual stewardship rather than private ownership. Like the table, the economy, too, is a matter of justice. For 2,000 years, Christians have come to the table, still and always the meal. Lives and loves and labors offered and blessed and broken open to be shared for the life of the world. Hurts and hungers and the dark and hateful places of human souls received here as well, seeking to be touched and forgiven and healed and transformed through this meal taken together. In Jesus' name, for God's sake. Not for our own sake, in service of our own well-being, but for him for the way of the world's salvation. Still, for those multitudes who cannot find their way to any table, and by the power of a God who intends that the banquet is meant for all. At the table, from the beginning, and now for folk like you and me, folk who did not know Jesus, who never heard him preach or see him heal, folk who still know of fear and hate and hurt, who still are filled with the vision of the kingdom of God and with the power to change lives and heal a world. Do this, he said. Do this in remembrance of the crucified one who died for all who suffer and for all who sin, for all who cannot find their way to a table. Do this because it is still the joy-filled encounter with the risen Lord and the promise that God will get us all there. And a blessed Labor Day to you all, my friends.
rooted in Christ and rising to serve, let us pray for the church, the world, and all in need. Guide leaders who speak your word to your people. Use your church's powerful witness and genuine invitation to welcome all to your banquet table. God, in your mercy. We thank you for tables of abundant food. Bless crops, farms, and industries that as co-creators with you, we may provide responsibly from the earth for the sake of all. God, in your mercy. Break the bonds of captivity and injustice. Bless all who advocate for fair and safe working conditions and for just and livable wages, especially our ministry partners at Arise Chicago. God, in your mercy. Heal and comfort those we hold in our hearts and those who have asked for our prayers. We pray especially for the victims of gun violence in Midland and Odessa, Texas and Mobile, Alabama, those in the path of Hurricane Dorian, and those we name now, either aloud or in our hearts. God, in your mercy, strengthen marriages, families, and friendships with mutual love and respect. Bless our congregation to be a place of support and care for healthy relationships. God, in your mercy. Rejoicing in the promise of the heavenly banquet, we give thanks for all those who have died in faith, especially Blessed Mary and Nikolai Frederick Severin Grundtvig, Bishop and Renewer of the Church. Join us with them at the resurrection of the righteous. God, in your mercy. We lift our prayers to you, O God, trusting your promise to hear us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. It is such a great delight to gather with you, the people of God, on this Lord's Day and on this Labor Day weekend. Whether you come to this church for years or it is your very first time, whether you love church or just checking out how organized religion even feels to you, whatever the color of your skin, whoever you love and marry, your gender identity, 
how you're feeling about your work or vocation, how you vote and see the world, and the many other ways that we are different outside these doors. We gather today in the love and grace of God that unites us as human beings and makes us one. If you are new to our community, there are yellow slips in the pew rack, and we invite you to place them in the offering on the way to communion. And our loose offering today will go to Arise Chicago, which is an organization that we have partnered with and supported financially for, I would say, about 15 years. And we're so grateful that the very Reverend Joy Rogers is with us today to bring us both a message centered in our text for today and our themes as well as Labor Day and Arise. Joy's going to mention just a few more things while we'll have you go to the mic about uh, Arise, and she would be very glad and delighted to talk to you during coffee hour today, social time which will be held inside. We can mingle in this space and um, make use of the front and the back and introduce yourself to someone new. Thank you so much. Um, I, I will be brief. I, I did bring some literature from Arise, and actually the, the crowd yesterday at Grace Place took most of it, but there are some information brochures back there. There's also a sign-up sheet. If anybody wants communication from Arise, if you want to figure out how you can fit in how we address um, the crisis that's all around us, um, please, Arise will put you to work. They're really good at that. Um, there's also an information sheet about um, a project that we're doing right now um, dealing with the source of chaos and threat for the immigrant worker community. No match letters. Um, briefly, the Social Security um, Administration sent these letters, hundreds of thousands of them, to employers saying that an employee's Social Security number does not exactly match the rest of their information. Um, it was purely meant as an information for the worker. Social Security says there is no need for employers to do anything at all, and yet it has been excused to, um, to fire people, to threaten them with, with firing. And So anyway, if you want to know more about it, there's the information sheet. And as I said, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about what I think is an organization, a faith-based organization, doing really effective work um, among workers that need justice so desperately. Thank you. Thank you. Please turn with me to page 13. There are so many exciting things bubbling up and beginning in the next uh, weeks, and I hope that you will take time to find out where you may fit and get involved. But please note on page 13, a week from today is our picnic in our garden, and we invite you to bring a side or salad for that. Um, and if you'll turn the page, you'll also note if you're more an early riser, we'll be having um, uh, liturgy in the garden, weather permitting, of course, at 8 a.m. It's about a half hour. So take note of the other events coming. Um, we continue to have our 9.30 service aligning with the cup schedule uh, through September. And you'll notice at the bottom of page 14, the exciting special forums that we'll be having after the 9.30 service. And then on, on page 15, please note the choir, ways to get involved, um, an anti-racism kickoff, and many other events coming up. So today is very fascinating to me because the church of the past and the church of the future comes together in an interesting way. So with us is a former pastor of Holy Trinity from about 1981 through 80, 87, 86. 
Pastor Dean Bard. Would you please stand so that we can recognize you? Church really changes quickly. People leave the neighborhood, move on. It's not, we, we, we have very few people that were here in the 1980s, and I'm thinking it might only be David and Carol, but are there others who are actually here when Pastor Barb was here? Isn't that amazing? All right. So you overlap for one day. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. And then the Church of the Future, our new seminarians are here. Would you stand and turn around? They are both second year students at the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago. They are now in the 40s in terms of number of students that we've had in 20 years. And um, I have to work on the last name for Melissa. You can look find out the spelling later, but it's Melissa Herlichka and Troy Spencer. You can uh, tell them your names many times because there's a lot of you, but let us welcome them. <laughs> it is our privilege now to celebrate the meal and as we prepare for that, please, we will sing the hymn on page seven. Let us stand.
and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending Blessed are you, Holy God, Holy One, Holy Three. You beyond the galaxies, you under the oceans, you inside the leaves, you pouring down the rain, you opening the flowers, you feeding the insects, you giving us your image, you carrying us through the waters, you holding us in the night, your smile on Sarah and Abraham, your hand with Moses and Miriam, you lived as Jesus among us, inviting all to the feast. Blessed be God forever. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of faith. Holy God, we remember your son, his life with the humble, his death among the wretched, his resurrection for us all, 
And so we cry mercy. mercy. And so we cry glory. glory. And so we cry blessing. blessing. Holy God, we beg for your spirit. Enliven this bread. Awaken this body. Pour us out for each other. Ignite your church. Nourish the life of the earth. And so we cry, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And so the church shouts, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And so the earth pleads, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. You, Holy God, Holy One, Holy Three, our sovereign, our water, our wine, our light, our treasure, our tree, our way, our truth, our life. Praise now, praise tomorrow, praise forever. in God who nourishes and sustains us, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Lord spreads a table before us, a feast for all people, the gifts of God for the people of God.
church and God, we thank you for inviting us to your feast where all are welcome, for feeding us with the bread of life, and for quenching our thirst with the cup of blessing. As you have filled us with love and hope, may we be signs of your grace for all who hunger and thirst for good news. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Life is short. And we do not have much time to gladden the hearts of those who travel the way with us. So be swift to love and make haste to be kind. And the blessing of the triune God who made us and loves us and goes before us be upon you and all those whom you love, this day and always. Amen.